Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Baseball great Jackie Robinson, tennis star Althea Gibson, track and field legend Wilma Rudolph. These are just some of the men and women who set records and broke barriers. They are remembered today as trailblazers for black athletes everywhere. But one man isn't as well known as them, though he should be. What he was able to accomplish in less than a week was history making, and it happened at one of the most famous venues in the world. It was 1880 in New York City. The skyscraper wouldn't make its debut for another several years. Over at Madison Square Garden, a crowd had gathered to see something incredible. Before the garden had moved to its permanent home on 34th Street, it was a railroad station on the corner of East 26th Street and Madison Avenue. It was then converted into a venue for P.T. Barnum's Circus, and by 1879, it had become a major entertainment center of all kinds of events. The first Westminster Kennel Club dog show was held there. On August 10th of 1880, however, the Garden hosted the most popular spectator sport in America. Eighteen men had come to test their endurance in a six-day-long race. Fred Hitchborn was one of them. A black man originally from Haiti, Hitchborn had arrived in the United States years earlier to build a new life for himself. He worked his way up slowly, getting a job at a local grocery store before running in races on the side. His performance impressed a sports promoter named Daniel O'Leary, who saw something special in Hitchborn and decided to sponsor him. However, the name Fred Hitchborn wasn't going to fly in the wide world of professional sports in 1880. He changed his name to the catchier Frank Hart instead. And Hart was a wonder. The press even described him that way in backhanded articles that dubbed him the Negro Wonder. No matter how many times he won or how popular he became, people never let him forget where he stood. He dealt with hostility from local competitors as well. They wouldn't shake his hand and often lobbed racial slurs at him before and during each race. In one instance, it was believed that a spectator who had given Hart a cup of soda water before the race had actually poisoned him. He got sick almost immediately, but he didn't let the pain stop him. Hart ran and won. Finally, in 1880, Hart entered the competition that would define his career. He was one of three black men going up against 15 white men in what was called a six-day go-as-you-please race. Before baseball became America's national pastime, crowds gathered to cheer on a sport called pedestrianism. In this particular race, competitors went around an oval track for six days by any means necessary. They could walk, run, crawl, or jump, whatever they wanted to do, as long as they went around the track as many times as possible for the duration of the event. Cots were set up in the middle of the track for them to rest for a few hours before picking back up again. And the audience cheered the men on, especially Hart, who ran, well, walked, circles around the competition. Over the course of six days, Frank Hart walked 565 miles, which averages out to roughly 94 miles a day. Before the event had started, Hart had wisely wagered $3,600 on himself. Combined with the prize money he'd won after the race, Hart went home with almost $22,000. By today's standards, that made him one of the wealthiest athletes in the country. 
Unfortunately, pedestrianism's popularity wouldn't last forever. An up-and-coming sport called baseball was gaining in popularity and would quickly overtake pedestrianism as the national pastime. And Frank Hart? Well, he faded into obscurity, along with the thing that made him famous. Today, collectors remember him thanks to the tobacco companies of the time. They used to insert trading cards of famous pedestrians into their cigarette packs, making Hart one of the first black athletes ever portrayed on a trading card. A point of pride for a man who, despite his treatment both on and off the track, had every reason to walk tall. While the numbers aren't exact, it's been said that 97% of people who start writing a novel never finish it. Mind you, it's a difficult task. Inventing a brand new world full of fictional characters who are meant to feel real to your readers. Writing a novel takes determination and a dedication to one's craft. And even if 3% actually do finish writing their first book, chances are it's going to be very bad. Travis was part of that 3%. He wanted to be a writer, and in 2004 he set his eyes on a very specific prize. The publishing company Publish America was looking for manuscripts of a particularly high quality, They didn't bother with what they saw as lowbrow genres like science fiction or fantasy. Of the 70 submissions they received each day, almost 100% of them were rejected. Publish America wanted to sign only the best works of literary fiction. Travis believed that he was just such an author, and he finally saw his chance to be taken seriously. So he hunkered down at his computer and wrote for weeks on end, pouring his heart and soul onto the page. When he had finished the final draft of his new book, titled Atlanta Nights, he sent it to Publish America and waited for their response. He was hopeful, to say the least. They had to love it. After all, he had worked so hard to give them the kind of literary revelation they had asked for. On December 7th of that year, Travis finally got his response. Publish America had read his novel, and they loved it. They sent him a contract to review over the holidays and to return to them after the new year. Travis brought the contract to his lawyer, who looked it over and decided it wouldn't be in his best interest to publish the novel after all. Travis should have been crushed. His dream of seeing his book on a bookstore shelf had just been dashed. But he was okay with it. They all were. You see, Travis wasn't a real author. He was a persona created by a group of professional authors with a grudge against Publish America. The company had presented itself as a sophisticated publisher that only accepted books of the highest caliber. In reality, though, it operated more like a vanity press, in that it made authors pay a handsome fee up front to have copies of their manuscripts printed. Offended at their statements against certain genres of fiction, author James D. MacDonald assembled a group of science fiction and fantasy writers to work together on a little scheme— They wrote Atlanta Nights with the express purpose of creating something awful. There was almost no plot. Spelling and grammar came and went with the breeze. Two chapters were written by two different authors based on one small piece of an outline they both shared, and one chapter was duplicated word for word and included as another separate chapter later. Characters died and came back to life without explanation. Characters changed roles and occupations. They even included an entire chapter that had been written completely by an artificial intelligence program, which examined the previously written chapters and then spit out what it thought was the appropriate text. The authors then came up with a pseudonym, 
Travis, who we met earlier. He was given the last name of T, like the beverage, making him Travis T. And then the team submitted the manuscript for review. And, of course, Publish America accepted it. They accepted almost everything, as long as someone was willing to pay their fees. But after the company sent over the contract and the authors had a lawyer look it over, they decided they couldn't go through with publication. They let Publish America in on the joke, and the company immediately rescinded its acceptance of the manuscript. That wasn't a problem, though. The authors published it anyway through a print-on-demand service and donated all proceeds to the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America Emergency Medical Fund. Atlanta Knights got some pretty awful reviews, which is very understandable. After all, it was supposed to be terrible. Which might just be the best example ever of the problem with design by committee. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious.